0: excited and very privileged to be able to be here this morning to talk on our our foundation series and that we believe in wholeness, and we're calling this Kingdom Wholeness. And Ryan mentioned it. We, found, uh, we find our, our foundational scripture for this topic and for our belief in this, as Ryan quoted, it's actually from Mark 12. I'm just going to read it real quick. Mark 12, 28 through 30. Um, and it said the, the scene, Jesus was teaching, and a teacher of the law was listening in, and verse 28 says this, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them, meeting Jesus and the Pharisees and others, debating, and noticed that Jesus had given them good answers, and he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important, as he was saying this to Jesus and asking him. And Jesus replied in verse 29, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, just for context, when Jesus answered this, uh, he quoted from a couple passages in Deuteronomy and Numbers, and this was a prayer that became foundational in the life of the Jewish people. It was called the Shema. And it was something that was repeated daily morning and night, and it was this prayer of recitement that reminded the Israelites, the Hebrew people, to put the Lord, their God, first off, it says, you know, the Lord is one, and clearly in the context culturally, they were surrounded by nations that believed in multiple gods and multiple deities, and and this, from the very beginning, is saying, there is no other God beyond our God. God is God alone, and then as it continues, continue saying love the lord your god with all of your heart your soul your mind your strength essentially what it's saying is love god with all of you the whole of you every part of you give and worship and love and commit to god your mind your strength your heart your soul This was a reminder for the Hebrew people that every part of us is called to worship and surrender to this God who is good. I want to share this morning that one of the things that um, this message is going to feel a little bit, like it borrows a bit from Kim's message last week when she taught about how we are a religious detox center because unfortunately, this topic of wholeness, or rather how a lot of church culture has handled this topic, And how many of us have experienced it comes and works hand in hand with this this conversation that we're a religious detox center. And let me put it to you this way. I want to share uh, a story that I heard just this last week from a friend of mine who lives in Alabama and was sharing with me about a Bible study they were a part of. And the the context of this, the story goes, my friend was there. They were meeting. they They were having time of prayer and sharing. And one of the women in the Bible study was sharing about how her father had recently passed and she was struggling with just sadness and grief and had gotten to the point where she just felt like she just didn't have the energy or the time to do her daily devotionals, her quiet time. And my friend was listening in as the, the Sunday school or not Sunday school, the the Bible Study home fellowship group began going around and, and reframing to her or, 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 sharing with her how, you know, she just really needed to get in the word because that was the solution to her grief. And so as she shared, I just, I'm so sad. I just, I, I, I can't seem to get up and get into the word of God. It was like, well, you need the word of God. You need to get in and read the Bible. You need to get your Bible time in. And one by one, they, they proceeded to, in their help, shame her for not reading her scriptures daily. How many of you have ever experienced a moment maybe like that before? Let me tell you another story. Get everyone on board. (laughs) This is my personal story. Um, Years back, I was 14 years old, and I had just recently started going back to church. And I was meeting with my youth pastor. I remember it was a very cold February morning, and I was in his Ford Aerostar van back in the day. And... We were meeting during lunch during my high school, and I, I was meeting with him because I was dealing with all this pain and, and, and hurt from the realization of years of abuse and neglect and the consequences and the relational brokenness that it was forging in my life currently. And so as I was sharing with him, I was processing all of this, all this pain, all this hurt, all this abuse, all this neglect. And he looked at me as I shared all of this, and he said, well, you just need to forgive these people. And I responded, as a 14-year-old boy, but that's really hard, they've really hurt me. I mean, we're talking about years of abuse and manipulation and consequences so incredibly bad and so incredibly consequential in my life, and I was having a hard time forgiving it and I, and I said, I, I, I don't know that I can right now. It's, it's really painful. It's really hard. And he looked at me and said, well, if you can't forgive, you're not like Jesus and you're not saved. Anyone ever had their wounds or their hurts minimized and just told, just forgive it and toe the party line? Anyone? That's another fun little story. Here's maybe less painful and wounding and triggering how many, of you grew up with, how many of you grew up going to church? Just raise your hand if you have. How many of you have heard the term put on your Sunday best? How many of you knew that was more than just your clothing? How many of you have been going to church, maybe you are the father or the mother, or you were the kid at the time, and there was a relational family meltdown. It was like Wrestlemania 5000, like dysfunction galore on display, everyone's crying, screaming, until about a block away from the church. Anybody? And you gotta put on your Sunday best. Which, you know, in the Northwest is no longer like khakis or dockers, and but, it you know, it's this. <laughs> and unfortunately, sometimes these rules, these religious rules, these expectations begin to infiltrate into the way that we operate. And the way that we then perceive how God wants us to walk in a church. And we walk into church and we might be hurting and we might be discouraged and we might feel hopeless and helpless, but we sit and we sing the happy songs and we sing the hopeful songs, even though we don't believe a darn word of it. And we look around the room and we look at all the other happy, shiny people and we go, how come they are getting ministered to? How come they how come, Lord, you, it feels like you answer their prayers or you care about them, but why am I still hurting? Never mind, just smile and sing the freaking song. Anyone? We don't do that here. In case you were wondering, we don't do that here. And if you're doing that here, we don't do that here. For those of you who are newer to Living Waters and you haven't had the experience of hearing my testimony, I'm not gonna go into all of it today, but I am gonna say something that probably needs a little context. Um, but for the last 20 some odd years I've been involved in ministry to the sexually and relationally broken. And I, I am in that field of ministry because I was sexually and relationally broken. am <laughs> not just a client. I mean, president, the client, anyway, whatever some hair club for men reference that only people who grew up in the 80s will remember. I come from a background of struggling with my sexual identity and homosexuality. For those of you who are like, wait, what? Listen, I don't have time. (laughs) Buy my book. It's out there. If you don't want to buy the book and you're like someone sexually and relationally broken who maybe used to identify in a weird way as preaching, yes I am. If you have a problem with that, go get the book. If you have a problem buying the book, I will give you a copy of the book. Just shut up and just get on board. <laughs> I share that to say this. I grew up I, I was a believer when I was four years old. And I grew up in a in a Christian culture that valued the spiritual and nothing else. Yeah. Memorize the scripture. Read the Bible, do evangelism, sing the worship songs, hide all your crap. That was the rule. That is not what we believe in here. You know, Kim said last week, you're allowed to be a mess in this place. You are, but it's not just because we want you to be a mess. Just so that it's clear, the goal is not to fall apart and stay there. Because we believe in a God who restores and redeems. We believe in a God who loves us and doesn't leave us as he finds us, but takes us from where we are as we are and brings us forward and conforms us into his image. The goal is not to be a mess, but here's the thing. the funny thing about how we heal and how we recover in the church. Sometimes you have to look like the thing you don't want to be to get to the place you want to be. So if you want to be strong, you've got to press into your weakness. If you want to be healthy, you've got to admit where you're sick. If you want to be trusted, you've got to admit and and own up where you've not been trustworthy. You know there's these these places where we have to press into the broken and the and the the immature and the insecure in order for the Lord to really meet us there and bring us out of it. So when we say that we're a place of wholeness and it's okay to be a mess here it's it's because first and foremost we believe and understand that when Christ was saying this commandment to people, when he was saying, love the Lord your God with all of your spirit, period. No. Because if it was just our spirit, then we would memorize all the scripture, and we would pray all the prayers, and we would worship, and none of us would have any problems. Right? Right? Thank you. I, I, I will do that. I will call on you to affirm the things that I say. Not because I'm insecure. I'm not anymore. Um, but because I believe in what I'm saying, and I want you to get it, something happened. We've struggled in 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 Christianity and churchianity for thousands of years with something called Gnosticism, and Gnosticism is this weird thing, this weird belief that started in the earliest times of the church, where spirit good, body bad. World, bad. Spirit, good. Meaning, and it took on all these different manifestations, but one of the ways it infiltrates here and now into our culture is by saying things like, well, just pray about it and memorize your scriptures, and that should heal all your emotional wounds. Don't go to counseling. Counseling, bad. World, bad. Bible study, good. Okay. Okay. In 25 years of ministry, I can't tell you how many seminary, doctoral candidates, pastors, Missionaries, people who I swear to you could quote the entire Word of God and cannot understand how to stop acting out sexually, cannot figure out how to heal their marriage, cannot figure out how to raise their kids without perpetuating the same wounds they were given onto their kids, cannot figure out how to have honest relationships, cannot figure out how to have friendships, because we are not just spiritual. We have a spirit, yes. We have a body and we have a soul. And when we talk about wholeness, uh, we here believe in wholeness. We believe that God created all of those things good, that we will have all those things. In fact, this body... Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know... Um, When we all are in heaven or when we are all in eternity with Jesus, we will have a body. We will have a glorified, resurrected, made as it was supposed to be body. If the body was bad, then we wouldn't need it when we were in glory. But Jesus has a body. We will have a body. The physical is not temporary. We will have it in eternity. Our emotions, we are going to have in eternity. Relationships, we are going to have in eternity. Who we're going to be with in eternity are often going to be as a result of how we interacted with and treated them. Relationships, emotions, our will, our mind, our thoughts, our bodies, all of these are from the Lord. And he wants us to walk in wholeness with him in every bit of them. And by wholeness, let me just clarify this. We do not mean perfection. Because if that were the case, I do not have any authority to be up here talking to you at all. Because if I'm talking about wholeness and I include body, let's, I mean, the, I mean, this is not perfection. It's not as bad as it was three months ago, but it ain't perfection. It's more like passable. And, and honestly, in, in, in our souls, we are constantly being challenged by the Lord to submit more to him and to be transformed more by him. And even though I have dedicated so many years of my life to be healthy in my soul, I still have work to do, right? We all do. When we talk about wholeness, we talk about a pursuit of wholeness that is progressive and ongoing and culminates in the return of Jesus when we are made whole forever. Amen? And in the meantime, what that looks like is a pursuit of wholeness and an honest valuing of the things and the places in our life that God has given us to steward and to conform to his image. Are we all on board so far? One way to look at that in a holistic way is there's these fancy church words. One is orthodoxy, which means right belief, right thinking. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. There's orthopathy, which is right affection, right emotion, right volitional, affectional um, attachment, meaning our heart. And orthopraxy, right behavior, right living. This is another way of looking at wholeness. That When we are pursuing wholeness, we are submitting all of our lives to him, the way we think, the way we feel, what we do. In a religious culture, it's so much about what you do it's so much about what you can recite, but our hearts sometimes get stuck in a place where we're not letting the Lord access those places of our heart. And why is that? Because when we grow up in cultures that devalue our emotions and our relationships and the things of this world, we get disordered in places and we start behaving wonky before the Lord. That is a theological term, wonky. It's in First Andrew chapter 8, verse, mind your business. See, we're holistic beings, and how we engage with one another and the Lord is holistic. Dallas Willard, who is a, arguably one of the greatest writers on spiritual formation, he wrote this. It says, the human spirit is an inescapable fundamental, fundamental aspect of every human being. And it takes on whichever character it has from the experiences and the choices and perceptions that we have lived through or made in our past. This is what it means to be formed. Our life and how we find the world now and in the future is almost totally a simple result of what we've become in the depths of our being, our spirit, our will, our heart. And from there, we see our world and interpret its reality. And from there, we make our choices and break forth into action and either try to change the world or live from our depths. The things that we've been through form the way that we engage and we sang a song today, we sang, we sang several songs today. One of which was, you know, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. When we live and have a, a view of wholeness, we understand that the experiences that we've had in our formative years impact the way that we even engage and see God as father. How many of you had a father you felt like you could run right up and approach with every single one of your mistakes and you'd find nothing but grace and mercy? God bless you, just you. (laughs) The rest of us are going to struggle to see the Heavenly Father through the lens of our experiences of our earthly father. And unfortunately, for better or for worse, sometimes that's really good, sometimes that's really bad. Likewise, how have you had um, a mom that was, well, we're treading on some ground here, you ever notice we talk about father wounds a lot in church culture, but mom wounds, we like, <laughs> mom, no, mom was perfect. No, she wasn't. Don't do that to mom. Often we look at and we relate to the Holy Spirit based on how we interpreted or experienced our relationship with our mothers. Because that counselor comforter, if you have a comforting counseling mom, wonderful. If you have a manipulative insecure mom, Sometimes the proddings of the Holy Spirit can feel like that manipulation or control. What we've been through and the broken places and the distortions in our soul and our spirit affect the way that we engage. You know, there's so many things that play into that. And I want us to take a look at brokenness for just a moment. Because I want... I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to put his finger on anything that he may want to address in your heart today. And let me say this. God never exposes something in your heart just to frustrate you or to shame you or to um, make you feel awful. If the Father is revealing something to you, it's for the purpose of illuminating it to bring it to healing and restoration. So can we trust the Holy Spirit and the good God who loves you? And trust me as well, he won't tell you everything wrong with you all at once. (laughs) No, because that would kill all of us dead. And because, you know, sometimes you got to get to point B before you can get point C. And sometimes some of our brokenness sets itself up in a way that you have to go through one thing to get to another. But let's just talk about some things that maybe are in our hearts and our souls that in this place, a church that is the crying church, the church that will take for weeks to talk about lament, the church that will allow you to be angry and bitter and grumpy when you walk in for worship and will not shame you for it. In fact, we're like, good for you. You're grumpy and you're here. Praise the Lord. I just wanna highlight a few things that that maybe if the Lord puts his finger on, that may be an invitation for you to invite his presence to lead you into some deeper healing today. So the first thing is, we have to address this thing of deprivation. Deprivation is lack, it's injustice, or it's unmet needs. Deprivation and addiction go hand in hand and they share a very dysfunctional relationship. Deprivation promotes this entitled Heart position, which leads us to destructive and medicating behaviors because we did not get what we needed. Proverbs 27 7 says, To him who is well fed, honey is not desirable, but to him who is starving, the bitter thing will seem to taste sweet. Meaning that when we are starving or broken or we have an empty place in our life, sometimes we go and chase after the thing that might feel good, but is actually very destructive for our souls. But because we're starving, we don't know the difference. Deprivation leads us there. And often, in, to avoid that feeling of that empty feeling of deprivation, we start medicating it with things that become addictive because it's not the thing that's actually the addiction that's actually the problem, it's our fear and aversion to feeling empty and alone and hopeless. disassociation is also another issue disassociation is disconnection from full engagement with our body with our soul with our spirit with our emotions with the world around you dissociative moments happen for all of us every day for example how many of you have netflix raise your hand don't there's no shame in your game how many of you've ever been watching netflix and had it say to you are you still there That might be a clue that you've been disassociating for a little while. Because disassociation, it's not a bad thing. It's a coping mechanism. But what it reveals is there's something coming at us that we feel like we don't have the resources or ability to face or handle. And so we check out and numb out and disassociate. Sometimes disassociation is just plain helpful. Like, uh, you know, have you ever been driving home and then not remembered how you got there? But you got there? We just kind of disconnect from that because it's hardwired in us and we... Have other things. Another issue that we face is something called futility. Futility is this feeling that there's no purpose, no power to grow or change, no help, no hope, and failure is eminent. How I feel every time I start a diet. I'm just kidding. No, no. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Um, yes, I am. It's it's that feeling when there's a relational disconnect. And no matter what you do, you can't make it better. Or sometimes it's, it's looking at our past and seeing some of the things that happened to us and the defilement that we then carry or the pain or the brokenness or the wound that we carry and wonder, I can't undo my past. Is there any way that I could be beyond this? The feeling of futility leads us into challenging and, and doubting God's character because if this is hopeless, then God is incapable and impotent and why would I follow a God who can't help? Is this all making sense so far? You know, if we find ourselves, if we look at ourselves holistically, we have to look at our entire experiences in life and understand that as a church living waters, we believe that God wants to address every one of these places in our hearts and minds, our souls, our spirits, and our emotions, because he wants us whole, and he wants us healed, and he doesn't want any barriers in relationship between us and him. And unfortunately, when we experience these things, and honestly, sometimes even when we experience the church telling us to get over it and not address it, it creates these barriers in relationship with God and we're not able to know him fully and experience him fully. And that's not what God wants. Now, I, I wanna hold up another book for you. This book. Yeah. This book is called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. If you've never read this book or if you don't own this book, how dare No, I'm not shaming you. I remember reading this book over 20 some odd years ago. This was uh, 25 or so years ago-ish. And it was right at a time where I began going through my own discipleship process of of addressing my sexual orientation and my relationships and my history. And it got to this spot. First and foremost, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality has this tagline, it is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. That is is one of the truest statements I've ever heard in my entire life because here's here's the truth we cannot grow disproportionately in one place or another without it having affecting other places So I'll, I'll tell you this right now. For a lot of years, this Gnostic dualism that I talked about earlier settled into my heart. And I didn't even know I was doing it where I was valuing the spiritual and the relational and the soul. But the body had, like, no consequence at all. Which is why I'm standing in front of you 35 pounds overweight currently. Because for, like, 20 years of my life, I let my body mean nothing to me. And my soul and my spirit mean everything. And that's... I deal with the consequences of that. Like, I have less energy, I have to buy larger clothing half the time, because, and I'm a public speaker. Do you know what my, the most prominent thing I do whenever I go on a speaking engagement, my wife says, so you're gonna go buy yourself something pretty? Because I feel insecure about my body, and, so I, and because I have to get in front of people and talk, I would constantly buy things and like, oh, this is slimming, no, it's not. Nothing is ever slimming. Because cameras add 85 pounds. But, you know, the funny thing is, is when I recognized this this weird dualism, I recognized probably like 15, 20 years after reading this, it should have settled in before. But again, God does not address every problem all at once, thank the Lord. But when I went back and I was looking at what he calls the 10 top symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality, man, I saw how that was impacting my own care of my physical. I'm going to read you these top 10 Please find yourself in them. You will, by the way. First symptom of unhealthy spirituality, emotionally unhealthy, emotional, whatever, you get it. Using God to run from God. Using God to run from God. I don't know how many of you have had an experience where the Lord is trying to tell you or put his finger on something he wants to address in discipleship, but instead of actually doing that thing, you decide to go serve God instead. Anyone? Or the Lord tells you, hey, I want you to do this, but you're like, I think I should join the mission field. You shouldn't. You should deal with your crap. Number two, ignoring the emotions of anger, sadness, and fear. Oh, I think I had a witness somewhere. We get into this place and we sang it today. We sang it first thing today, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Sometimes that phrase has been used as a weapon towards some of you. Where if you're dealing with emotions that are bad emotions, negative emotions, someone might say to you, get over it, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you know that joy is not circumstantial and it's not the same thing as happiness? In fact, the Greek word for joy actually has its root in rejoicing, which is to worship God. When we worship God for who he is, that is our strength because we are assured of his character, of his heart for us, we are phrasing those things back, and it reminds our soul that we serve a father, and a good God who loves us, is faithful, and will not leave us. And that is our strength. Negative emotions, anger, sadness, fear, those are appropriate emotions here and even in worship. If you are coming in here this morning, if you have come in here this morning or any other morning and you're dealing with loss and pain and grief, that is okay. And it is appropriate to sing these words through tears and a grimace on your face or not at all. It is okay to sit and be angry and still choose to be present in worship because God will meet you there. When we avoid anger, when we avoid sadness, when we avoid fear, all we're doing is avoiding these primary indicators that God has put in our souls, in our, in our hearts, to tell us that something is going on that needs to be addressed. None of us would drive our car with the check engine light, the oil light, the brake light, and the thermostat screaming at us and say, everything's fine. If you do that, you're very silly. You're not going to get very far, Correct. If you are living your life and anger is always under the surface or sadness is always under the surface or fear is always under the surface or even creeping out, if you ignore those things, you're not gonna get very far because the Lord has given those things to us so that we know and can see that we have issues to address. And again, the Lord never reveals anything to shame us but to invite us into healing and restoration. Number three, symptom, dying to the wrong things. Good Lord. I, uh, this was the same youth pastor, not to bag on him too much, but I will because he <laughs> provides so many examples. <laughs> I remember when we were teaching the, uh, the, uh, the, the topic of Abraham and Isaac and it became this spiritual principle. Stop me if you've heard this or don't. Relate to me if you've been a part of this where... It was positioned for us that because Abraham had dreamed for Isaac and he loved Isaac and God wanted to make sure that Abraham's heart was completely and totally God's and not this gift that he would give him. So he wanted, he he called him to kill him. And that meant that anything that we loved or dreamed about needed to be killed as well. And it became a phrase in our youth group, you've got to lay your Isaac down. I don't have an Isaac. Isaac. I'm not 900 years old and finally had a child. I don't have an Isaac. But it became this principle that said if you love something or if you're passionate about something or if you've hoped for something, God is going to want to kill it. Because your heart is wicked. And you might like it for the wrong reasons. So whatever is good or hopeful or dreamworthy in your life, kill it. Die to it. Because that's pulling your heart away from God. Do you know God gives us desires? God gives us dreams. He gives us things that he wants to accomplish in this world through us because it's his delight to use his children to do the things in this world. And yes, there are things that God does call us to lay down. And sometimes he calls us to lay those things down because he has something better. Sometimes he calls us to lay them down because this thing is actually not good at all for us. Sometimes he calls us to lay it down because it's not the right timing. Sometimes he calls us to lay it down because... I don't know, because any of those things, it's not about killing the thing, it's about trusting in his heart. But we get into this place where we get so afraid of our own hearts that we kill things that God actually put there for us. Next one, denying the past's impact on the present. Lord Jesus, help us as i said from dallas willard everything that we do everything that we perceive every way that we act we act on because of the perceptions and the things that have been settled in our hearts from our histories if we're afraid of something if we are if we are stuck in a spot go backwards to go forward Look back at some of the places in our lives that have been hard, that have been that that we've had negative experiences, that we've had people speaking things over our lives that have caught us in a prison rather than setting us free to move forward. Our past affects us. How many counselors in the room? Does our past affect us? Thank you. By the way, we have a lot of counselors in this church. Why? Because we believe in wholeness. <laughs> and we believe therapy is good. And of you should go to therapy. <laughs> Dividing our lives into secular and sacred compartments. This is also called duplicity. Where we have some places that are accessible to Jesus and some places that aren't. Some places that... We show everybody about our spiritual lives. Some places we don't. Some things that we value is good and right. Some places that we think are, are not. When actually everything that we do, God interacts with and everything is spiritual. Everything is, is valuable. There are not compartments like that. The things that we do in our normal lives affect our spiritual development. And our spiritual development affects our normal lives. They're not separated like that. They are connected. Doing for God instead of being with God. Anyone? Okay, some of you are not convinced on this. I'm going to tell on myself for a minute. I, got, I settled into a, a habit a couple years back, which is why I needed to have the long break. And it's really a common thing, I think, for a lot of spiritual leaders where they, they start reading the Bible simply for the message rather than for their own time. I had a friend that actually said something. He says, oh, you became a Bible bulimic. Ugh. But it's pretty accurate where you binge on the word of God, not to actually nourish yourself, but to preach to other people. That's one way that a lot of leaders do for God rather than being with God. What does it look like for you? What does it look like for you if you have a habit of doing for God rather than being with God or allowing God to have access to you in your heart. Here's a fun one that happens in so many churches. Spiritualizing away conflict. It's just spiritual warfare. No, it's your bad attitude. It's not spiritual warfare. It's your relationship with your mother. That may or may not have been something my wife said to me. Uh, I know, right? She's the best. We do live in a world, there is spiritual warfare, but let me tell you this. So much of the stuff that we deem spiritual warfare is just us letting our flesh have, and by flesh, I don't mean our bodies, and I don't mean our mind. I mean our unredeemed, broken places, our selfishness, our unredeemed will, the part of us that still really wants what we want when we want it, letting that have authority rather than the spirit of God and the, the spirit that is being renewed in us and our soul that's being renewed actually have the driver's seat. Some of the greatest spiritual warfare we can ever do is doing what the Lord is asking us to do when we don't wanna do it. And a lot of that happens relationally. Like for example, saying, I'm sorry. Three hardest things to say on earth. I'm sorry, I need help, and Worcestershire sauce. Those are the three. Number eight, covering over our brokenness, weakness, and failure. Putting a nice veneer on the things that we're broken or weak in. Can I say something to you? You will never know unconditional love until you allow your condition to be known. You can never know unconditional love until you allow your condition to be known. We don't want anyone covering over their brokenness or their pain or their failure or their weakness here. If you show your weakness or your failure or your brokenness here in this place, you will not be judged, you will be loved. You'll be supported, you'll be cheered on, you will be congratulated for taking off your mask and letting us actually see what's going on. Because here's the deal. We don't actually get to experience healing if we don't admit where there's a failure or a problem. Number nine, living without limits. Lack of boundaries. That's a, that's a fun one. I'm not gonna go into that. That's pretty self-explanatory. And number 10, judging other people's spiritual journeys how dare. So I share all this. this. is a lot of stuff. This is a lot of little things that are, that are probably in a lot of our hearts and minds. So thanks, Drew. Now what? You just told us how much we suck and that you're okay with it. Now what? Wholeness requires us The the pursuit of wholeness requires honesty, it requires humility, and it requires engagement. As a pastor and as a person who's been working in pastoral care ministry and pastoral counseling and discipleship for 25 years, can I say this to you, and I'm not saying this judgmentally, I'm saying this compassionately. Your spiritual life is never going to grow if the only thing that you're you're investing in it is the one hour a week you come here and listen to someone speak at you your relational and your emotional health although let me say this the sermon is valuable <laughs> save my job sermon is valuable <laughs> church is very valuable but it is not a substitute for your own your own engagement with the lord your own study of the word of god your own prayers your own worship Again, if you are struggling with emotions and relationship and emotional health, please go to counseling. Number one, the church, we are never meant to be your one-stop shop to wholeness. And any church that only lets you go to the church for help is not a healthy church. We love the therapists and the counselors and the resources in this valley that are available to you. And frankly, we can't do it all. And we're not equipped or educated to do it all. There are counseling groups and therapists and resources. Go find them. Yeah. But let me tell you this. You sitting across from a counselor for an hour a week, it'll, it's good, but it will not heal you if you do not take what you learn in that hour and begin to apply it for yourself. Amen? Amen. Let's <laughs> see so your counselor. Like, yeah. <laughs> I will say this as well. Because I, I am on this, this little kick of saying, "Take some responsibility for your wholeness." If you are struggling with something, and you know, like a lot of the counseling offices and therapists here in this valley, they're booked solid. So you say, "Okay well, where's a program? I need a program? Say you struggle with addiction or you struggle with codependency or you struggle with something like that, our church currently does not offer a lot of things. Correct? Correct? Correct. Thank you. It's not because we don't love you and it's not because we don't have a plan. We have a pa. But we are working on it. But let me also say that we are not a church that's insecure about our people. If there is another church in this valley that is running a Celebrate Recovery program and you need it, by all means, go to the other church and go to that program. We love you. Have fun. We're glad it's there. We're not insecure There are, the body of Christ is meant to serve one another in unity, and if there is something that another church, you know, we'd love for you to stay on Sundays, but if there's a Tuesday night group, or a Wednesday night group, or a Thursday night group another church is doing, we love you, and we want you to pursue everything you can to be whole. So go to that place and go to that group and we are going to, you know, develop some things that we can use to help and encourage your journey along this way too. If you are looking for a counselor or therapist and you're afraid, well, I need a Christian one because those worldly people will send me straight to hell. (laughs) Now, I'm only quoting what I've heard in my own office before, so I'm not making this crap up. There is... Wisdom in knowing who is contributing to your life and your soul. There is great wisdom in being aware of how things are impacting you. But let me tell you this. You can be greatly helped by a non-believing counselor or therapist. You just have responsibility that if you feel your soul being drawn away from Jesus to be aware of that. And that is true with any pursuit I love that Lou and Chantel are in this valley doing your kick butt for Jesus things that you are doing. I love that I can say to any woman, go here. And I can trust 100% that you are gonna care for their souls and you're gonna lead them in physical health and it's gonna be awesome and I don't need to worry about them becoming weird if they go to you. But if you need to work out, Lou and Chantel aren't the only people in this valley. And if you go to another place, but you find that they start pulling your heart away from God, be aware of that. Same thing for a therapist. Same thing for an addiction recovery. Same thing for, for even financial planning. Like the, Our whole lives are submitted to Jesus. And we as believers have the responsibility to steward those lives. So let me give you this. Uh, when asked um, the uh, old, okay, who is it? John Wesley uh, old theologian, church, church father of the American church, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, good guy. <laughs> Better mom. Uh, he asked his mom one day for a definition of sin. And she responded to him saying this. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, or obscures your sense of God, or takes off your relish for spiritual things, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may be in and of itself. I'm gonna tell you that as we pursue health and wholeness, there are many resources out there for us to do that. Our responsibility is to understand, is this drawing me closer to the Lord or not? And if something is drawing you further away or dulling your sense of the Lord, then be suspect of it and maybe find a different group or a different counselor or a different thing. But don't be afraid to take responsibility for your own journey and find resources that can help you. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm going to ask the worship team to start making their way back up here real quick because, of course, I'm long-winded and almost out of time. At Living Waters, we believe. We believe in wholeness because we believe in a God who cares about every aspect of your lives. We believe in wholeness because we believe in a God who wants to restore and redeem and refresh and renew every aspect of our lives. And we believe that we follow Christ more powerfully and we see him at work in our lives more profoundly, when we are in this pursuit where every aspect of our lives are his and we value those, those different aspects. We value our emotions. We value our relationships. We value our intellect. We value our bodies. And we pursue a God that values those things too. As the worship team leads us and closes the service, I just ask this of you. Would you allow the good father who loves you and knows you better than you know yourself to speak to the places in your heart that he just wants to bring you forward in wholeness? This isn't judgment. This isn't, this isn't condemnation. This isn't even conviction, really. It's invitation. It's invitation from a good God who wants us as whole as we can be. So as the team leads us, Engage with the Lord, allow him to speak to your heart. If something has hit you today and you just know, Lord, I give you permission, lead me in this so I can be more whole. Communion tables are open. Communion is a wonderful expression of partnering with the Lord in his wholeness for us. So do that now as they lead Invite the Lord and respond to him because this is a place that we wanna see you completely whole. Amen.
1: sinking, these boats weren't built for me. I'm done drifting on the water of insecurity. In the noise and the distractions, the storms of arguing, I hear your voice calling. And I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus.
2: of wholeness that Drew brought this morning? Jesus, would you just seal in our hearts that fresh invitation to step into wholeness? Maybe there was something highlighted for us. Maybe it was one thing that he said where it was like, oh, I've fallen into that. Can you guys hear me? Check one, two. Check one, two. Check one, two. Technical
1: difficulties.
2: (laughs) Thanks, Robin. You rock. Yeah, maybe there was just one thing that Drew said that was highlighted to you out of that list he read, and we just want to invite you guys, like, whatever that is, I just pray that you'd... Not go through today without just being with Jesus in that thing, and maybe just asking Him what His invitation for you is. You know, He's never He never convicts us without having a plan and a way to walk out that thing He's inviting us to. Like He, the Holy Spirit, is our aid. He is our guide. He is the one that actually comes behind us and brings life in new places. So it's not up to you to shift that place. So whatever that is, Lord, we just thank you for the freedom that our church is stepping into and we agree in Jesus' name for greater and greater levels of wholeness and healing as a church. Would we be a community of believers that are walking out wholeness in every area of our life, God, and where we're able to be those safe, unconditional spaces for other people, Lord. Just pray that as a community in Jesus' name. Thank you for what you're doing in us, God. We love you so much, amen.